Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. This morning we're going to dig into the last one that I shared Basically, just talking about the relational God that we have made for relationship, not slavery. And this is really the one thing that really ultimately sets us apart from anything else. Any other belief system out there, any other religion out there. And it's the truth that God has made us for relationship and not slavery. And the awesome thing with this is um, this, this title. I had this title before I had any of the other previous titles that we had in the series made for relationship not slavery and it's so applicable because uh, this past week um we we really just felt stirred as a as a church and as leaders to encourage our the church family to go and watch the movie sound of freedom and we're going to watch the trailer in a, in a second and uh it is really applicable because the whole message is the the anti-slavery anti-human trafficking um world that we have out there and we're going to look at the my message got something to do with it, but it's got nothing to do with it as well. And so I'll uh, share with you in a, in a moment, uh, and you'll see why that is. But let's watch the trailer quickly, and uh, if you haven't watched the trailer, then enjoy. And um, also want to encourage you, if you can't afford going to go watch the movie, then uh, they've got an awesome campaign together, a Pay It Forward campaign, where you can claim uh, free movie tickets, uh, which is amazing, right? Um, but after you've watched the movie and you went there, just claiming a free ticket, afterwards you'll want to give it back. Um, and even uh, buy another ticket because there's an importance in, in sharing this message and getting the word out. So let's watch the trailer quickly together. Somehow. Oh, Someday it's gonna 
wish the likes of you. expose the horrible reality of human trafficking by bringing this true powerful story to the big screen. Express interest now at angel.com slash freedom. Thank you, Father. Right now, we can just uh, pray into this, uh, this matter and the, the severity of the, the world and the state of the world that the world is in. And firstly, our, our role as a church is to preach the gospel to pray for the, the, the laborers to go into the, the field and to reap the harvest. So we pray for more laborers to go into the field and to advance God's kingdom through the ministry of the gospel. And Father, as we do that, there's a practical need and a practical fighting as well. And that we're praying for every organization, every organization that's working against human trafficking and specifically the trafficking of children as well. That you, Holy Spirit, will prompt them, that you will guide them, Father. That you will give them creativity, wisdom, and insight as how to eradicate this, this sickness, this disease. And set free those who are bound in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that the church, we will arise and we will be the light that you've called us to be. We will not be silent. We will speak about these things. Not in a... In a, in a, in a in a way that is, is giving more power or strength to the devil, but in a way that is taking authority, st taking our stand. Standing uh, apart from this world. Because you've called us and you've set us apart. Let's stand and be the, the, the church that God has called us to be. Standing apart, looking different, talking different. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, just uh, for the work that, uh, um, that has gone into this movie and that this movie will spread like a wildfire, yes. convicting those who are living outside of relationship with God, convicting them of their separation from their darkness, and that they will be laborers to share the gospel with those people so that they can respond to the message of hope and have their hearts transformed completely. From the darkness that is dominating them into light. Thank you, Jesus. For every child that has been uh, saved and set free from human trafficking, we're praying for laborers to come across their paths as well, to, 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 to love on them, to share Jesus with them, and to turn around the work of the devil. In Jesus' name, because that's the only way, by God's grace. Thank you, Father, that we can pray into these matters daily. Because your word says that the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. And as we pray, Father, we won't always necessarily see the impact of our prayers. But I thank you, Father, in light of eternity and in the kingdom one day, you will reveal to us, this is what took place when you prayed. <coughs> this is the significance of that prayer. And so we hold on to and we hope into that. And we respond because this is your word and the invitation from it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love the, 
two lines from the movie. The first one that they, they played in the trailer now as well is um, uh, one day, if we do not do anything, one day it will reach the likes of you. Um, and oftentimes if it hasn't reached you, if you haven't seen the, the effect of something, you kind of, it's easy to turn a blind eye. It's easy to just carry on with your life as is. Uh, I can testify of this uh, in, in losing my brother early on this year. Like, you, you, you hear about people losing loved ones, and I lost my father when I was in, in grade 11, but our relationship looked very different to my relationship with my brother. And so in losing my brother and, and experiencing that, like you don't know what it is like until it happens to you. And the importance of this movie is like, let's not wait for it to happen to you before you have a wake-up call and ask yourself, what can you do about the situation? Because this is happening to people daily. I think he shared, what, there's 2 million children a year. 2 million children a year that get sucked into this, this sickness, this disease. And we can do something about it by praying, praying for the people, the organizations, and then obviously praying for the advancing of the gospel because that's the answer ultimately. But until that becomes the answer, there's the practical comp component as well where there are people and organizations fighting this on the ground level. We need to pray for them to, to endure, to not give up. Because uh, um, you can imagine it's easy to just give up because it's so heavy. And the guy, uh, Tim, I believe his, his, his name is Tim, shared how like, it was difficult, but he kept on going because he realized there's lives at stake. And then the other awesome line from the movie, and I don't know if this was a, um, a factual line, but it was, a, it was an awesome line, is God's children are not for sale. And um, that lines in with and, and ties in with my, my message this morning, just about God created us for relationship. He didn't create us for slavery. God's children are not for sale. God created the world for us to inhabit and to enjoy, each one of us equally. It doesn't matter skin color, it doesn't matter age, it doesn't matter which, which side of the, the tracks you were born. Every one of us were created with value, with worth. And we can only truly enjoy that in union with Him, knowing Him personally and intimately. That's ultimately true freedom because you, you see people kind of advocating freedom in this world, but it's not true freedom. Outside of relationship and union with God, it is a false picture of freedom. It's deception. And the enemy, Satan, is very good at giving us these false pictures of freedom and us buying into it hook, line, and sinker. And then it kind of numbs and it, 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 it kind of uh, ministers to us in some way. But 10 years down the line, we realize we're just in a hole and life sucks. And then we just want to end it. Slavery is not just for those who are physically bound, but also for those who are spiritually bound. And even more so because that's eternal. This physical bound will eventually be released from that physical boundedness. But the spiritually bound, if you're spiritually bound and you haven't expected or uh, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that becomes your eternal destination. And that's the role and the part that we get to play as believers is looking for opportunities to, 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 to set the captives free. As we see in Isaiah, the amazing prophecy that Jesus came to do and then we get to co-labor in. Because Jesus came to play his part. There's no more waiting for Jesus to do something. He's done his part. He's given us authority. He's, given, he's commissioned us. Now go in my name and do these things. Preach the gospel. Set free those that are bound. 
Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Genesis chapter 1, 1 to 3 from the Passion Translation says, When God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was completely formless and empty, with nothing but darkness draped over the deep. God's Spirit hovered over the face of the waters, and then God announced, Let there be light, and light burst forth. This word hovered here, we find in, uh, in Deuteronomy as well. Um, it says, God's Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. Let's go to Deuteronomy 32 verse 11. And um, the word hovered here is used as flutters. And it says, Deuteronomy 32 11. As an angel or as an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over a young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them, bears them up on her wings. This is the nature and the character of God to father us. From the beginning of this world, God spoke. The Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. God spoke light into being. And that light is a... a darkness can only rule where there's an absence of light. That's what darkness is. Darkness isn't really a thing. It's just the absence of light. And so in the beginning, there was darkness, but God spoke. God did something. And so Genesis, you, really, you find the message of the gospel from the beginning of Genesis. And this is beautiful. This is the, the, the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible isn't to find stories about guys of faith and history. And even though there's history, the Bible is, there's history in the Bible. But the Bible at its essence, at its core, has got a specific message. It's a message of redemption. It's a message of hope. It's a message of freedom. And that freedom can only be experienced through God. As we see, God in the beginning, the world is formless. A lot of believers are formed, or a lot of people are, are without form. It doesn't mean they don't have shape. They have shape, but there's no form in there. There's no substance. Because they don't have the Spirit of God. God created us for family. Deuteronomy, this beautiful picture of hovering. An eagle stirring up a nest, fluttering over a young. That's God's desire. Christianity is set apart in such a supernatural way that God didn't create us to serve Him. God created us for family. And as you join the family, so to speak, and you're growing in the family, you'll want to serve. Amen? Like in any healthy family where there's a... If you look at a, um, families where there's, there's family in... Oh, <laughs> farming. Family. Um, family and farming. It's a new word. Um, with family... With farming, where there's, there's family and there's generational farms and, uh, and family is part of the farm, it's a privilege to take over the farm. It's a privilege to, 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 to join the family business and to be a co-laborer, to add value. And that's God's invitation, not to first come and see, oh, what do I need to do? Uh, through which hoops do I need to jump? Like, how much do I need to serve? How much do I need to give? Stop it. That's not what you were created for. That's a fruit of what you were created for. And you were created for relationship. To experience God as your father. And guess what? Fruit will come. The fruit of serving. Laying down your life and be a partaker of the family business, so to speak. It's only outside of this design of fathering, experiencing God as father, that we see the world in the mess that it is in. All of these people involved in the drug trade and human trafficking, it's people that don't know God as their father. People that haven't come to experience God as their father. And that is where we get to have an impact as a church to make this known unto people. 
to experience Jesus for who He truly is. Our Savior, but not just our Savior, but that invitation of fathering. Psalm 68 verse 5 to 6 says, To the fatherless, He is a father. To the widow, He is a champion friend. The lonely makes part of family. The prisoners, He leads into prosperity until they sing for joy. This is our holy God and the holy place. But for the rebels, there is heartache and despair. This is such a beautiful picture again. And throughout the world, we see this constantly coming up. God created us for fathering, to father us, to show us his love. The prisoners he leads into. We see this in Psalm, Psalm 23 as well, where the good shepherd leads the sheep. The question is this, are you being led? Because you, you can experience the leading of the Holy Spirit or you can rebel against the leading of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means that you, you're going to have a, a horrible life here on earth. What do I mean by horrible? I'm not, I'm not talking about you're not necessarily going to have a nice house and nice cars. Man, there's people who are having horrible lives that have all of that. The people in, the, in this uh, um, human trafficking trade, they aren't experiencing freedom. They maybe have all of the money in the world and they got all of the nice things. But they're experiencing darkness. Complete and utter darkness. But we as Christians, as children of God, need to purpose and choose to be led by the Holy Spirit. To be led by His Word. To be led by a community that is focused on building the Kingdom of God. Focused on the, the, the importance of, of studying the Word. Growing in discipleship. Which was Jesus' commission, by the way. He wasn't converts. He wasn't going to go into all the world and, and just get people saved. Salvation is one part of it. It's one side of the coin. The other side is discipleship. Growing in understanding. And that comes by being led. Following the leading of the Spirit and being part of a healthy family that is, that is about this. The lonely makes part of a family. And it's not something that He forces on you again. Yes, when you say yes to Jesus and you respond to salvation, you are automatically... And supernaturally uh, set into a family worldwide. People that you'll never know, but one day in heaven you're going to have thousands and millions of brothers and sisters that you'll know by name, which is going to be pretty cool, right? <laughs> Who of you struggles to remember names? In heaven we're not going to have any of those struggles. It's just going to be easy. But it's important that as that is the truth that we are set into families like internationally and worldwide and uh, people who've gone before us and people who will still come after us. God is setting us in families right now to experience family right now. Not just biological family. Yes, bi biological family is important. But more so the family of God that is purposefully advancing the kingdom and partaking in kingdom business. That is a family that we get to enjoy, get to uh, spend time together with. Like we said, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. We need to provoke one another unto love and good works. How do you provoke someone unto love and good works that you don't spend time with, that you don't see regularly? We need to come together, and we see this in Acts, come together more so in the Hebrews and, and in Acts, all over the word. It's talking about coming together, the purpose of coming together, being in family. But it's something that each one of us needs to choose. God doesn't dictate or determine this for us. He doesn't control us into these things because He's a Father. 
He's God the Father. He's not the Godfather. Amen? Amen. What's the state of the world? Let's go to uh, Proverbs 3.23. And we've already touched on this in Genesis where the world and the earth was formless, was without form. And then God spoke and something happened. In the same way for us as well. It's only through that light that we respond to that we can experience form. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Passion says, For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Short of something, in need of something. This is the state of the world. The state of the world, the sin that we see in the world is a fruit of something. It's always, this is the problem. Religion says, go and change the fruit. God says, no, I want to change the heart. God's invitation has always been heart transformation. Because if your heart is transformed, your life will be transformed. For all of sin, the sin of the world is due to a reality and it's being short of the glory of God. Being void of the glory of God. Being short of the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Something is missing and it's Jesus. The light of the world. It doesn't matter what sin. Whatever sin that people are living in, that people are uh, advocating, that people are embracing. It's people that are short of the light of God, of Christ, and growing in that. Like I say, darkness is only present and existing where light is not shining. We are called the light of the world. Say, I am, I am the light, the light of, my world. of my world. It's not a, a self-centered picture. It's a, yes, each one of us got a world, like, that's what I mean by that. Each one of us got a world. There's a world outside of our worlds. But you're not called to go to the world out there if you're not going to the world around you. So start with the world around you. And where there's opportunity, go to the outside world. Like we've got the, the Belgian mission coming up. Where doors are open up for us there. But we need to start with this. Realizing that we are light. I'm not trying to be light. I'm growing in the light that I am. Growing and understanding that. Isaiah 9 verse 1 to 4. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. And there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies among the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. What will it be filled with? Glory. And it's not the kind of glory that we traditionally think when we're reading glory. Like we, we kind of have this idea of like palaces and gold and nice things. And that's not the picture of glory. We'll, we'll look at what the picture of glory is. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. What will they see? A great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They'll rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. There's so much in here. We're not going to get into everything. But this is a, a beautiful prophecy and uh, if you continue reading, which we're not going to do this morning, you can go and continue reading um, the passage out of Isaiah. And it starts talking about the, the birth of Christ. Because his ministry took place in Galilee. So this glory, there was a manifestation of glory through 
the ministry of Jesus and what he brought about, the fulfillment of God, the desire, the plan of God from the beginning of time. For his light to eradicate darkness. I'll break their yoke. Matthew eleven twenty nine. We see this yoke being broken and this, uh, this, this, this picture of the yoke being broken. Talked about here, Jesus saying, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek, lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for my souls. Now just bear with me for a moment. Because uh, this breaking of a yoke, Matthew is communicating it a little bit differently. In Isaiah, it's a picture of breaking where Jesus is, is communicating and that's the beauty of Genesis to Malachi, the prophets, they prophesied in part. And then we see the Gospels where Jesus starts to give the, 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 the picture that the prophets spoke about and what they colored in for us, Jesus starting to make it more plain for us. But then even after Jesus' death and his ascension and the outpouring of the Spirit, the New Testament letters specifically start giving us an interpretation of what all of this meant. And making it clear to us, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, that the mystery of Christ is being made known to you. There was a mystery, it was hidden for generations and then it has been made known through the apostles, through the letters of the New Testament. So yeah, Matthew's refining this picture and so it's not as much a, a breaking of a yoke, but it's giving a different picture, a different meaning. And what is that? Let's read from the... Message translation quickly, 28 to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'll lay, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll live to, learn to live freely and lightly. This is beautiful. This is such a beautiful picture. This uh, picture of yoke that Jesus is talking about. It's a picture of an ox. Right? Uh, oftentimes Jesus and uh, the New Testament writers, um, they, they, they took practical things and they illustrated something through those practical things. They took practical things and communicated spiritual truths through those things. They used teaching aid. So Jesus here, and when Isaiah is writing about this, obviously prophesying and uh, uh, foretelling something to come, and Jesus making this plain to us, this yoke that we see is the picture of an um, ox in the field. Right? A yoke is that thing that you put on an ox uh, on his back, on his shoulders. But the picture that Jesus is communicating here is you, um, you got... Uh, a double you also get double yokes and I don't know if you get triples and uh, uh, more more than that but this picture that Jesus is communicating of coming unto me and taking my yoke on onto me is the picture of a double ox where two are pulling together now the beauty of training the the, the, the ox or the cattle is that generally they've taken a more mature older ox leading the younger ox and you could adjust the level and the um, the weight to which each ox was pulling and so Jesus is pulling the weight, guys. That's basically what, I'm, what Jesus is communicating here. Because it, it doesn't make sense outside of that. Where Jesus says, come unto me and take my yoke on me and it's easy and it's light and it's easy to carry. Why is it easy to carry? Because he's carrying the load. Jesus did the work for us. Now the co-laboring comes in and even in the co-laboring, it's his spirit in us, enabling us, empowering us to do the work. The message translation beautifully communicates this to us and says, 
work with me, watch how I do it. Because it's in watching how he does it that it becomes effortless. Ephesians chapter 5, also from the message translation, beautifully communicates this. Verse 1 and 2, and it says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn behavior from their parents. What God does is love you. And so it's a, it's a great uh, example and I'll probably use it until uh, I'm in heaven one day. Um, and it's this picture of my children. And we've all experienced this where you can tell the children what to do, but if what you're telling them isn't lining up with how you're living, guess what? They're going to do what you're doing. doesn't matter how much you're telling them to do something different. If you're doing something in a specific way, your children will follow that example. And that's the invitation from God. In our relationship with Him, watch what He does. Learn from Him. And as we're learning and we, we're allowing Him to shape our hearts and we're giving uh, Him that opportunity and we're giving Him that leading to take the lead, it becomes unforced. The unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you learn to live freely and lightly. This is God's design for the world. This is His design. Isaiah beautifully prophesies this to us and the reality becomes true for us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 4, 6. It says, For God who said, so here's the quotation from Genesis, For God who said, Let brilliant light shine out of darkness is the one who has cascaded His light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. There is no glory outside of knowing Jesus. So the glory that we see in the Bible, the prophecies, is not glory of, of things, of material possessions. Jesus taught on this often, Matthew chapter 6. It's not about the treasures on earth. Because they corrupt, they decay, they spoil. But there is a treasure that doesn't spoil. And it's human souls, people. God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness is the one who has cascaded his light into us. That's the message of the gospel. God's light wanting to shine in every person. Giving us form, giving us meaning, giving us purpose, belonging. And that glory is only seen in the face of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Hence, I am the way, the truth. And the life. The word life and light is oftentimes just used interchangeably. Because light means no darkness. Life means no darkness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5 from the message it says, and this is going to be a blessing and a challenging to some some of us, and says, For the very first day we were there, taking it all in. So this is the disciple uh, John writing these uh, amazing truths to us. Taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling in most sober prose that we, or what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. If you don't know what uh, John is writing about here, then uh, I'll just tell you. Um, he's writing about Jesus. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. That's a miracle. 
Jesus again, what he accomplished, being born as a baby, God himself, leaving all of his glory, everything he had for you and me. Something we don't always grow. Like it's difficult to kind of fathom with our, our human kind of brains. We, we've got some, like there's a capacity. We, we, we limit it in some ways by our thinking, by why we're we experiencing this natural world we're living in. Jesus was God, perfectly manifest in human form. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it. And now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light. Pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in Him. If you ever wondered about God and His nature and His character, stop wondering. It is light. There's no darkness in him. How do we know? Jesus perfectly showed us. Jesus didn't demonstrate or show us any darkness. He only showed us light. Only love. The writer of Hebrews and John also says that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the exact representation, the exact copy, the very being of who God is. Romans 8 verse 15, we're coming to a close. 15 to 16. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. What did you not receive? The spirit of religious duty. Having to do. Don't be a do, do, do Christian. Be a Christian that believes. And the doing will come. Believing on what? Believing on the goodness of God. His nature, His character, growing in Him, fathering you. He's not given us a spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough because that's what religion does. You aren't good enough. You're not as good as so-and-so. You're not doing enough. You're not giving enough. You're not serving enough. That's religion. We're not called to religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's what God created us for. Fathering, relationship, family. You've not received the spirit, or you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us, as he whispers in the innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus was crucified, for calling God Father. And he didn't call, and this is something important to understand, and Jesus calling God Father, and we'll get into this, and I touched on this a little bit last week, it wasn't a biological picture, it wasn't a separation picture of Jesus is here and then God is there. Jesus in the flesh modeled for us what God desires for us. Fathering, relationship, intimacy. We need to know that we are God's beloved children and see Him as a beloved Father. Because to the degree that you see God as a beloved Father will show how you will live in this life. In freedom or in bondage. Because the children of God aren't called to slavery. We aren't for sale. Stop selling yourself to all of the things of the world. Stop selling yourself to religion. Stop selling yourself to a paycheck. 
Start realizing your worth and your value and what God has called you into. Family, relationship, you belong. You are valuable. Slavery is the result of not knowing our Father, our Creator. Not general knowledge, but intimacy. Intimacy. Knowing Him intimately. Becoming one with Him. In closing, Galatians 5.13, last passage of Scripture. God in Jesus, God through Jesus, made it possible for us to relate to Him in an intimate way and enjoy oneness with a holy God. Galatians 5.13, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Again, we can just sit here, walk out of this room and uh, carry on with our lives and enjoy. Go to our prayer closets and just enjoy intimacy with our Father. If your intimacy with your Father is not leading to fruitfulness, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Intimacy is intended for intimacy, but also for fruitfulness. Let's not use this freedom that we have in Christ and what He's done for us as something that we're just sitting on. Because that is where you stunt your maturing and your growth as a child of God. And a child, in a biological sense, that isn't growing, that isn't maturing, there's something wrong, right? Medically speaking, there's something, something is, uh, there's a disconnect. And we get to determine, each one of us gets to determine whether we are as children of God maturing, growing up. And one of the ways to grow and to mature is to not use our freedom just for whatever we want. But to use our freedom for what God intended it to be used for. To share it with the broken world around us. To eradicate darkness by bringing the light. And the light. D-E, light, and then T-H-E, light as well. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca